Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. Today we are beginning the season of Lent, which is the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter, which has historically been a time to examine our lives and prepare our hearts for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. Today we begin walking through the second half of the Gospel of John by looking at John chapter 13, where Jesus had his last supper with his disciples and where Judas left to betray him. And we look at what this story tells us about how God is calling us to live our lives today. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message following in Jesus' footsteps. Lent is the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter. For over a thousand years, the church has used this time to call Christians to prepare to celebrate Easter by examining our lives, recognizing and repenting of our sins, giving up what is getting between us and God, and adding new practices and habits that will increase the height, width, length, and depth of our faith. From now through Easter, our Sunday morning sermons are going to be walking through the second half of the Gospel of John. The whole second half of John's Gospel describes the final week of Jesus' life, from Palm Sunday through Easter Sunday. If you've been in the church a long time, some of these passages may be very familiar to you. But often we read them individually, and we sometimes forget that the context was that Jesus did and said these things in the final days before his crucifixion. If you knew for a fact that you were going to die this Friday, what would you want to spend these next five days doing? Who would you want to spend your time with? What would you want to say to them before you died? You'd probably be very intentional about how you spent your final week. Jesus knew on Palm Sunday that he was going to be crucified on Good Friday. So he was very intentional about what he said and did during those final days. And it's important for us to understand the words that he gave his closest friends. John 13 describes the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. In his wonderful commentary on this book, Dale Bruner divides up this chapter into three parts. The foot-washing gospel is about forgiveness. The foot-washing ethic is about servanthood. And the foot-washing warning is about apostasy. First of all, the foot-washing gospel is about forgiveness. John 13, 1 through 11 says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. John tells us here that before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Jesus loved his disciples right up till his final breath. And John tells us that Jesus knew everything that was going to happen before it happened. So Jesus got up from the table and proceeded to go around from one disciple to the next, washing their feet. But when Jesus got to Peter, Peter couldn't believe that his Lord would wash his feet. Rabbis never washed their disciples' feet. Peter refused to let Jesus wash his feet. He said, you will never do that. Jesus was graciously patient with Peter's outburst. And he told him he wouldn't understand what's happening until later. How often does God have to be graciously patient with us? How often do we not get what God is doing in our world? How often do we not understand what God is doing in our lives or what he is not doing in our lives? Now, some of us have trouble letting other people serve us. Peter had trouble letting Jesus serve him. But Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, you can't have my fellowship. If I can't forgive your sins, you can't have my presence. If Jesus can't trump our conscience, we can't have his companionship. If we refuse to accept Jesus' free grace, we will miss out on him entirely. So Peter goes from refusing to let Jesus even wash his feet to now asking Jesus to wash his whole body. I think Jesus was probably laughing when he said Peter didn't need a complete bath. He just needed to wash his filthy feet. But because Jesus already knew who would betray him, he said, not all of you are clean. 
And yet Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet along with everybody else's. Jesus was offering forgiveness to all 12 of his disciples, including Judas. Being offered forgiveness is hopefully an opportunity to turn away from sin before we sin. Judas did not take advantage of Jesus' forgiveness. But the first part of John 13 shows us that the foot-washing gospel is about forgiveness. Secondly, John 13 shows us that the foot-washing ethic is about servanthood. Verses 12 to 20 says, After he had washed their feet and put on his robe and had reclined again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly I tell you, Whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus was done washing their feet, he sat down and asked them, Do you know what I have just done? Since I've washed your feet, you should also wash others' feet. He was showing us that the food washing ethic is servanthood. The way that Jesus calls us to live out our lives is in mutual service, humility, forgiveness, and patience. We are not to seek to elevate ourselves over other people. We need to be willing to bow down and serve others. That's the kind of God we serve, and that's the kind of people he wants us to be. In the documentary film, Salt and Light, that was made about Don Williams and the Salt Company ministry here at Hollywood Press in the 60s and 70s, it tells about one evening when the singer Randy Stonehill showed up for a meeting, and he saw a sign on the wall that said, Be Great wash feet. He was stunned by that and moved by it. It was a completely different philosophy than he had been hearing from the world. It really got him thinking and helped him grow closer to Christ. But in verse 18, Jesus says, I'm not speaking of all of you. The one who ate my bread and has lifted his heel against me. 
I am telling you this now so that when it happens, you will believe in me. Jesus was preparing his disciples for his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. He doesn't want them to think that his whole enterprise has failed when these things happen. He doesn't want them to think that he's come up short. He wants them to understand that all of these events are part of God's plan. He knows the disciples will be devastated when he dies. He's giving them some encouragement before that happens. Second part of John 13 shows us that the foot washing ethic is about servanthood. Then the third part of John 13 is that the foot washing warning is about apostasy. <clears throat> Verses 21 to 30 says, after saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of his disciples the one whom Jesus loved was reclining close to his heart. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, do quickly what you are going to do. Now, no one knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Verse 21 here tells us that Jesus was deeply troubled by Judas's betrayal. Even though Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and even though he knew that this was part of God's plan, it was still very troubling to him that Judas would do this. It shows us the humanity of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is God, but he's also human, and he's experienced all the same emotions that we do. And when one of his closest friends chose to betray him, it deeply bothered him. Have you ever had a friend betray you? I have. It's very painful. The disciples react to Jesus' statement with surprise. They didn't see this coming. Because Jesus was troubled, now they are troubled. All of the disciples looked at each other, wondering who Jesus was talking about. What's interesting here is that none of the disciples had a clue that Judas Iscariot was going to betray Jesus. When Jesus said these words, they didn't all point their fingers at Judas and say, well, of course it's Judas. 
We always knew he was the bad apple in the bunch. We always knew he was the black sheep of the family. No, it wasn't obvious that he would be the traitor. In fact, just the opposite happens. The other gospel writers tell us that instead of pointing fingers at Judas, the disciples pointed their fingers at themselves. They wondered if each of them might be the betrayer. They were humble. They were aware of their own sinful nature. They knew they were capable of doing bad things. So it wasn't obvious to them it would be Judas. Jesus was warning the disciples of their own fallibility. John Calvin, the doctor of eternal security, actually says about this passage that the kind of anxiety or insecurity induced by Jesus here is profitable for believers. For when threatened by the judgment of the ungodly, they are given an opportunity for examining themselves and their own lives. So Peter asked John, who was sitting next to Jesus, to ask him who this betrayer is going to be. Jesus said, it's the one I give the bread to. And he gave the bread to Judas. Apparently, none of the disciples understood what Jesus was saying here. It was customary in the Middle East of that time for the host of the meal to offer a piece of food to a guest whom he wanted to honor. So the disciples may have actually thought that Jesus was honoring Judas by offering him the piece of bread. But it may have been one final appeal to Judas's conscience to wake him up about what he was planning to do to Jesus. When we read the stories of the final week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, Judas should actually be a more disturbing figure to us than Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas or any of the Jewish leaders. Judas is the reminder that every day is judgment day. And on any given day, some faithful follower like Judas or like you and me, might turn away from the light and start heading into the darkness. We too are capable of being caught up in evil by the prince of evil. Again, Dale Bruner says that in the Christian faith, there should be on the Christian conscience, both a deep sense of spiritual security and an alert sense of spiritual insecurity. All of us who are Christians have both a Peter and a Judas within us. We need the Lord's constant help to avoid falling into either one of their sins. As this chapter concludes, Jesus says to Judas, what you're going to do, do quickly. Ironically, even in his act of betrayal, Judas does what Jesus has told him to do. 
The story shows us that Jesus is Lord even over Satan. And he is Lord even over Satan's minions. Part of the reason for including this story is to show us that the foot washing warning is about apostasy. It serves as a warning to us to not take the path that Judas did. Later in the New Testament, we read warnings to the early church for the Christians to stop listening to the voices of antichrists. They are warned to not listen to false teachers and false prophets who were circulating around the world. We read about people in the New Testament who left the church, who followed contradictory teachings, and who went off in a different direction. Leslie Newbegin once wrote that the strange paradox of the church is that we are both holy and sinful at the same time. The Lord is present in our world and Satan is present in our world. The story is a summons to both realism and faith. And the disciple who has understood Jesus will not be shaken by sin and apostasy, even when it shows up in the church. Yes, we know that God is always stronger than the forces of evil in our world. But sometimes we still find ourselves being pulled in the wrong direction. In John chapter 13, John is writing to us to describe what happened at the Last Supper. He still has eight more chapters to go before he finishes writing his gospel. Because there's so much that happened in those final hours leading up to Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. But he wants us to understand what took place in this small group behind closed doors. He wants us to put ourselves in this drama and imagine that we were one of the disciples sitting around the table with Jesus. What would you have thought? What would you have done? And what are you doing today? As John tells us what happens at the Last Supper, he wants us to know that Jesus washed the feet of all 12 disciples, including the feet of Judas, who would betray him. So as we begin the season of Lent, he is challenging us to examine our own lives. First, if the foot washing gospel is about forgiveness, is there somebody you need to forgive? Or do you need to forgive yourself? Two, if the foot washing ethic is about servanthood, have you found the place where God wants you to serve? And three, if the foot washing warning is about apostasy, have you started walking down the wrong path like Judas did? And is Jesus calling you to turn around, trust him, and start walking back to Christ? God bless. God bless. Stay safe.
See you next time.